Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. You've got to make sure you listen to the good news, but you also are silencing the bad news, silencing the wrong news, silencing the lies in your life. Today, Pastor Randy continues his teaching series from the New Testament book of Luke, and he's asking the question, what or who has voice in your life? Pastor Randy also sits down with Grace New Hope's Steve Chapman. Here's Pastor Randy. Good morning, New Hope. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, the weeping prophet who prophesied that things were going to change, things were going to be bad. Jeremiah actually saw this happen, but he prophesies hope as well. We got a couple of interviews today. It's going to be a great morning. Worship's going to be great. And we, of course, have the New Hope Snowden Sunday Challenge. So make sure you tag some pictures on Instagram and Facebook. We'll be looking through there. And I would love to bring some of you guys donuts. We got a way we're going to pick those out. No favoritism here, but I'd love to bring you some donuts tomorrow. Weather permitting, of course. So Jeremiah 29, 11, mark that in your Bible. Flip over to Luke 4, mark that from last week. I just wanna read this verse for you. You know this verse. For I know the plans I have for you. God has thought about your plans. God knew about Snowfest 2022. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So God promises us a future and a hope, but then he says this very interesting thing. Then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. That promise is not just to get a new car or to, to get an A on a test or to, or to get a new job or even to be healed. That promise is so that we would be in relationship with him. We are people helping people experience life through Jesus every day. The ultimate call of every believer is to be a follower of Jesus, not just a knower of Jesus, but a follower of Jesus. We would be desiring relationship with him. And then he says this, you'll seek me and find me. What an amazing promise that if we desire God, we would find God. When we seek him, how? With all of our, say the word, it says it right there in the text, with all of our heart, with all of our emotion, with all in the, in the Hebrew, it's literally that inner being. What we deeply, deeply want, do we deeply, deeply want God? Today, I'm gonna do a couple interviews with people, and we're gonna talk about how is it that we can be in that relationship with God and know God and actually know what his will is. Two things that are real important. Here's the first one. Last week, we talked about the anointing, and that anointing was so that, that Jesus would be proclaiming, speaking, speaking out the kerugma, the, the speaking of the good news, the good news, the gospel, that there is hope for us. That's the first thing. And I would ask you today to think about what are the voices that are speaking into your life? Does this have voice. Do you see the world through the word of God or do you see the word of God through the world? Which of those has more voice in your life? And Jesus over and over says that we would want to make sure that we are proclaiming, speaking the good news into people's lives. And the paradox of that, we would be hearing. Remember in Jeremiah 29, 
He says that we would be hearing, we would seek, and we would find that good news. And then there's, a, there's another part of this. And when you read further into Luke 4, verse beginning at 31, he goes to Capernaum, he goes to a city of Galilee, and he's teaching. And everyone is astonished at his teaching and his word-possessed authority. The word of God possesses authority. My prayer is that the word of God possesses authority. That's the proclamation. Here comes the antithesis, the opposite of that, because we wanna make sure not only that we hear the right news, but we turn off the wrong news. We silence the wrong news. Look at this. There was a, a man who had an unclean spirit in him. In verse 34, it says, Ha, what have you come to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? But look at verse 35, it says this. But Jesus rebuked him. Underline that word rebuked. And write in your Bible next to it, censure, censure. It literally, and he says it right here, he says, be silent. You've gotta make sure you listen to the good news, but you also are silencing the bad news, silencing the wrong news, silencing the lies in your life. And I would ask you today, what has voice in your life? We're gonna do a couple of interviews right now of people who have, one has everything in the world, their dreams is coming true. One has gone through some incredible challenges, but for both of them, you're gonna see that God's word has been a guide to them and they have been listening to the right voices and turning the volume down on the wrong ones. So join us now as we're doing these interviews. I would also encourage you at home, spend some time, take communion as a family, break the bread, take the cup at the table. I would encourage you guys to be praying today for each other and go out and have some fun in the snow. God bless you guys. Watch these interviews and I'll see you guys later. So I'm here with my friend, Steve Chapman. And we're gonna, gonna teach the Bible a little bit and then we're gonna talk about kind of how it figures in. Okay. Uh, you shared your testimony at P3, uh, priest, provider, protector, uh, last week, and it was just amazing. And I asked you to be a part of this, so we were going to do this anyway. Yes, sir. But, uh, but now we are snowed in. It's yes. New Hope Snowed In Sunday. Sounds good. All right. So Jeremiah 29, 11, I think a lot of people know that verse. That's, that's the plan verse. For, for I, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, to, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. But what happens when those plans get changed? What happens when we wind up being in a place where those plans get changed? And Steve, you, uh, you grew up, now you were born in a beautiful state. Yes, sir, I was. You want to tell them? Yeah, of course. It's Kentucky. You were born in Kentucky. You were. Close to West Virginia, but Kentucky. Okay, but in Kentucky. And you, um, tell me about kind of your early life and what your plans were. And Are you, are you comfortable? You need anything? I'm good. Okay. Um, early, I was a huge sports fan. Yeah. I loved football. Even though uh graduating from high school I was five foot two, hundred and twenty five pounds. I could be the football. You could be the football. 
But uh, I mean, yeah, I'm not I'm not tall either, so I get that. So yeah. I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. you. So uh, I could not be. I didn't have the body for athletes. Okay. So, but I love sports. Yeah. So I thought, what better job could I have but an athlete trainer, someone that could go and assist injured athletes and help them get back on the field. So you, you went to school for that? I did. And you actually got a job doing that at a university? At a university and at physical therapy clinics. I would be in the clinic in the morning and then schools in the afternoon. But um, you would think that it would be easy. That, But you knew, but that, there was a call on your life that was different from that. Tell us about that, Steve. The call, I was in college I was speaking to my mentor, and because he had been an athletic trainer at a school and had been both a trainer and a teacher, and that was what my call was. And I asked him what his thoughts were, and he said, I wouldn't do it. You just don't get paid enough to do the athletic training part and be a teacher, so I wouldn't do it. So he pushed you away from being a teacher. He did. And you went down this road of doing these other things. Absolutely. And about every six months to a year, I wouldn't lose that job. And So you got your plans would change, but you just kind of kept trying to pursue this thing that you kind of knew wasn't what God had for you? If I had allowed myself to think instead of just keep pursuing, yes. And it eventually it got to that point just because every single thing that I did, it doesn't that matter if it was in athletic training or even other jobs, Everything within right about six months to 18 months after I started. So how did you get into teaching? Um, Angela, my wife, and I had lived in Alpharetta. You know, we probably need to bring the Angela piece in here. How'd you meet Angela? We were. That's, that's important. Yes, very important. Yeah. Um, We were at the singles group at First Baptist Snellville. Yeah. And we were friends for some reason. And she saw you and she was swept off her feet. uh, I I wished. Yeah. Uh, But to be honest, we were friends. Okay. And that was it. Okay. I've loved her longer. Then she's loved me because at first I was just a friend. Okay, all right. And that was it. But um, Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. She's still my best friend. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm I'm just with her. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't think she thinks it that way. But. So, um, so Angela becomes a part of your life. You get married. Yes, sir. And, and at first we were living in Alpharetta because both of us were working there. Okay. And we uh, wanted a family. Yeah. And decided to move back to Snellville. Okay. And we were waiting on a house to be built. Mm-hmm. So we were living with our parents. Yeah. And um, I was at a job that I wasn't very happy. I was commuting about hour down to the airport back to Snellville. And I just started talking to God and said, there's, there's got to be something more. And, and there always had been something more. That's the ironic thing, isn't yes. it? Yes. And I just didn't realize it. And he brought that calling back up. Yeah. And um, I said, all right. I told Angela, I'm supposed to be a teacher. Okay. And what do I need to do? in order to do that, and I did that. It wasn't always easy, but the neat thing was after I started teaching for almost 11 years, Mm -hmm. I never lost a job, and it just so happened that by the end of those 11 years, I really did get to do everything I wanted to do. I was a football coach. Yeah. I was a track coach. I was an athletic director. But at the end, it just started wearing on my body. Okay. And um, probably about Ten years in, I was in a chair and teaching health and PE. So somewhere in this process of teaching did this disease become part of your life? Because you have, you have MS. I do. And um, that's a um, very real part of your life. It doesn't, I would say this for everyone who knows you, that doesn't define you. It's not the most defining thing about you. I hope not. <laughs> I'm not well, sure. I'm, but I'm confident of that. I, I mean, I, I, I do realize um, that most people at New Hope know me. They may not know my name, but they know the guy in the wheelchair. Well, you're not just the guy in the wheelchair. You're the guy in the wheelchair with the perfect hair. Well, I mean, I'm... I'm thankful that I have that perfect hair, and I'm yeah. sad that everybody's not Thank you, Steve. privileged just like me. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, one of us needed a little powder today. Yes, And yes. one of us didn't. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I, I realized it was time to shave my head. I was, I was supposed to speak at a, at a conference, and it was a huge honor to get to speak at this conference, but it was Sarah's 16th birthday. And they sent in a film crew, and they, they actually filmed me for this thing. So, I, I mean, I'm feeling very good about me. Yes. 
and I'm getting ready to be filmed, and they came over and they said, well, we're gonna, we've got to powder your head. Uh, so I knew that was time to shave. Yes. Uh, so I don't have perfect hair, but, um, but that's, that's okay. Yes, so it is. You are, but you are the, more than the guy in the wheelchair in the perfect hair. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Way more than that. So yes. you, you wanted to work with kids. Yes, that was, sir. Um, so it wasn't even just teaching. It wasn't just teaching to teach. It was about investing in the lives of the next generation. True. I mean, just because I had to retire from teaching as a profession doesn't mean that I'm done teaching. Yeah. Um, there's a um, praise song that the that we sing here, and one of the courses says, "If I'm not dead, he's not done." Wow. wow. And that that really hit home with me. Wow. Because if I'm still living, then. God's plan is still going on just because things change. So you're you're teaching you've got two kids, young kids. I do. Beautiful, sweet wife who loves you. And um one day you realize there's something not right physically. Can you take us kind of back to that? Um the very first time I had come home from teaching middle schoolers and my wind down is a 45 minute drive home. And once I get home, if it's, especially if it's in about this time of the year, I'll run a warm bath and just chill and relax. And I felt it with my hand, knew it was warm, got in the tub. I didn't feel heat, probably up until my stomach. Oh. And uh, went to a neurologist. He ran an MRI and came back probably a couple of days. I was teaching then. During my planning period, he gave me a call and said, you have MS. And I knew a little bit about it. I've got an older brother that also has MS. Okay. So I was a little bit familiar with the symptoms. Mm -hmm. uh, I just didn't think it would happen to me, but yeah. it did. So those plans changed, and... You're teaching school, but amazingly, you were able to teach school long enough that there's some continued blessing in your life. Absolutely. Um, and that's part, of, I mean, to me, that's the biggest part of God's plan is I would have never thought that I could get paid for doing nothing. <laughs> but not every teacher sees it that way. That's an inspiration, Steve. Hey, I taught long enough to be vested so that once I had to retire, 
they have a long-term disability insurance plan. Okay. So I actually get paid monthly for sitting in my chair. Yeah. And but you do more than sit in your chair. Uh, you do a lot more than sit in your <laughs> chair. You don't get it. You don't get away with that. Did, what? Tell them a little bit about what you do here. Uh, I get a blessing by teaching kindergarten through second graders, and it really is a blessing for me. I get to teach, but I get to see little ones get more of Jesus and and the best blessing is when that light bulb goes off and I know they they know exactly what I'm talking about. Wow. Wow. And and you, I I see you here on Sundays, I see you here on Wednesdays. Um and I see you connecting with kids and you know I think some people would think maybe that the chair winds up being a hindrance, but that's not been what I've seen at all. Um, I, I really think that's part of God's plan too. I don't hate this chair. It has given me so many opportunities that if I was a normal walking person, I would not have gotten those same opportunities. But since I am in this chair and I can't run away as quick, <laughs> then <laughs> then I get to sit here and and stay a little bit longer. Steve, you always you always have a way of of making what I think sometimes other people feel uncomfortable. You always have a way of making us feel comfortable. Well, I, I mean, I, I guess that's a little bit of God's gift to me is that even though I'm in this chair, uh, he's also blessed me with an attitude that says, you're, you're okay in that chair. I go by what I know, not what I feel. Wow. Um, knowing God's truth, knowing the promises that he makes for me, knowing that he's with me every single day in every circumstance allows me peace that most people can't understand, but um, it allows me to trust that whatever situation that I'm in, that it is part of this plan and it allows me to be okay with it. That, that's a really powerful word. And it's when you get to Jeremiah 29, 11, the one that we all know that he has plans for us, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. The next verse is really powerful and I, I don't hear this one quoted as much. But he says, then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I'll hear you and you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So I, I think whether we are, whether life is going 
easy for us or, or hard, it really does come back to that place of seeking after him. And when we do that, it changes yes. everything. Everything. It changes everything. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Sure do appreciate you. My pleasure. Go Cats. Absolutely, all the time. All right. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. I'm Myrna Brown.